Drink, everyone. Does that, does that count? Because did we start recording? Is this a part of a song? It's our new sign-in, our new uh, intro music. Is this our new song? Yeah. I like the song. <laughs> Was this Tina solo in the episode? <laughs> There's a boy I know. He's the one I dream of. Ooh. Looks into my eyes. Takes me to the clouds above. Mm-hmm. Oh, I lose control. Can't seem to get enough. Uh-huh. When I wake from dreaming, tell me, is it really love? Uh-huh. How will I know? Don't trust your feelings. Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Josh. Welcome to the Gleeful Podcast with Josh, Jen, and Ed. You can find us online at gleefulpodcast.com, on Twitter at gleefulpodcast. I'm at Josh Bernal. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. Jennifer. Joshua. How are you tonight? I'm fine. I'm kind of beat. This week has already taken it out of me. I mean, I know it's Thursday. We usually do this on Wednesday, but... Man, I'm ready for the weekend. Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, definitely ready to take a break this weekend. Uh, Ed, how are things in back east? Are you are you tired after your big concert last night? Uh, I don't know about tired. I got like okay, I I I don't know if you have these signs. Well, you probably don't in LA, but we have like these areas where they're like where it's not a stop sign, but if someone's walking, it's like a designated like walking zone. So if someone's walking by, they have to you have to stop. Well done. Pedestrians have the right away. Crosswalk? Maybe not in LA, but in are they called crosswalks? I, I suppose it's called. I suppose it's called. I know, but it's like they have it's like called big, a crosswalk. It, it, it has a specific sign. It's like state law. You must oh, okay. stop for pedestrians. So you yeah. got a ticket. Is it's the same. No, 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 no. No, I, no, I didn't get a ticket. No, I stopped for the pedestrian. That's not the problem. And then <laughs> some, some, some person behind me hit me. I was like, <gasps> oh no! But it's, it, it was pretty much non-existent amounts of damage. So. And are so, you feeling okay? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Whatever. I was just, I was just like, wow. frustrated. And I was like, ah, oh, these Avicii tickets were so expensive. I didn't even Aww. need to go. And I went. And then I was like, and it was on the way to the concert. I was like, ah. Wow. And then, then I went to the concert. And the concert was like, I just spent the entire, well, I didn't spend, okay. I spent a lot of the time <laughs> on my phone seeing how Elise did. I was like, okay, did you do? Did you do well? Did you do well? Um, uh, and then I'm, I'm a little freaked out because, uh, Next Wednesday, I will be done with school. And I've been informed by one of my teachers that if I don't get a 20% on the final, I won't pass the class. I'm like, oh. If you don't get a 20%, so you, as long as you spell your name correctly <laughs> and fill in all the boxes with well, the number said, two pencil. He, well, I, well, I said to him, because then that was, the, that was the PCHEM, which I didn't get into till three weeks into the semester. Okay. So 
I was like, well, he said he would let me redo lab one that I missed if I, if I really wanted to. And I was like, do I have, like, do you think I should? He's like, well, if you get, at, if you get, that was actually 17%. If I get 17% on the final, I'll pass the class. And no one in the past four years has gotten less than 20%. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess I should be okay. Well, there you go. Huh? Uh, well, we, we wish you all the best, of course. Uh, we are here uh, to talk about the Whitney tribute episode. Glee remembers Whitney entitled Dance with Somebody. I'm not really sure why it's called that. It seemed like, why not just call it Whitney or... Because, or, because or there's a more there's a more abstract deeper meaning that you're not getting, duh, Josh. Apparently not. What is the more abstract deeper meaning of the title, Ed? I well, I'm gonna use the I don't know I don't know if this is true. I was just but maybe maybe it's representative of the relationships in Glee of Sam and Quinn. He want, he wants to dance with her. But like maybe like or like maybe like not actually <laughs> dance with her, but but relate relationship with her Dude, homie like, you are reaching for the fences to find that <laughs> explanation hey hey it's legitimately better than calling it whitney what's it, what what vague reason would it relate to the characters about besides missing whitney besides that obvious fact well but that i mean it was a tribute episode like we called the rumors episode rumors and we called the saturday night yeah, but, but there was like ru- there was like rumors spreading around though so it was like it was like it was like and what like was the, the michael jackson the, episode called michael I want to say it was called Michael. Yeah, it was probably called Michael. <laughs> All righty, uh, yeah. so we're done with the yeah, title. We're so we're, we're out. We're past the title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. There's a title. Oh, my God. We're going to be so yeah, good exactly. at this. Um, making great so, time. <laughs> so we had, um, so this is the Whitney Tribute episode. And as we always do at the top, uh, Jennifer, how, uh, how did you feel about this one? I liked it. I really liked it. I thought, I mean, I... I don't know if I in, enjoyed it in the same level as I did last week. There there was um, a lot more discussion and, and, and drama and a lot of stuff that I felt was, you know, kind of Psych 101 and pretty obvious. And I didn't think it needed as much talking through. But I, I <laughs> guess um, it they did. But um, all in all, I thought it was I thought it was a, a really um really solid enjoyable episode uh ed how'd we feel about uh dance with somebody i thought the episode was kept contain kept the momentum of last episodes going and which is which is sh- shows even more obviously in my mind that big brother was just the wrong foot to start on with this set of episodes yeah i definitely agree with that i, I mean i think you're right ed i think that um this episode did maintain the momentum, but I did find it real hit and miss. I thought it dragged a little toward the end. Um, there were a ton of songs at the beginning, which was great, but then we got like two seg- or two acts without songs, uh, which was a little disappointing. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, I, th- I thought it was a fine episode. You know, the, the biggest challenge I had with it, and... Um, not for any particular reason or not that this is a bad mark on the episode, but the biggest challenge I had is I just have no general affection for Whitney Houston. And so, um, but I I really liked, I I liked Emma's explanation of the, uh, the displacement. So Mm -hmm. I agree. And exactly. And that's why it worked for me. Like, uh, for exactly that reason, Ed, you're, you're totally right. I, that was why it ended up working for me is that they did a really good job of tying the loss of Whitney to the loss that the characters were experiencing much more than, you know, um, 
Well, like rumors barely worked as a tribute. And, and even the Michael episode, like the actual connection to Michael Jackson between Michael Jackson and the plot was pretty vague. Here, the connection between the loss of Whitney Houston and, and the loss of, you know, their, of each other and the challenges they were having with, with saying goodbye uh, was, a pretty, was pretty substantial. And so that aspect of it, I actually really liked that aspect of it. That part of mm-hmm. it really worked for me. Uh, I just, yeah, I... I I, for some reason, like, it's not that I dislike Whitney Houston. I think she's a wonderful singer. Um, but I, and most of her songs, I think, are kind of stupid. And I just don't have any particular affection. Jennifer, Whitney Houston? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I grew up with Whitney Houston. And, you know, her music was very prominent in, you know, my high school and college years. And, um, you know, every dance we went to. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I have, I have a strong affection and affinity for, for her and her music. So I thought, I thought it was sweet the way they handled it. It wasn't heavy-handed, um, in the the way that they were trying to draw connections in, you know, her music to, to what they were going through. I thought was it was done pretty well. Uh, Ed, what are you? What's your feeling on Whitney Houston beyond uh, the gazillions of covers you get from American Idol? <laughs> I honestly, this is my same complaint that I had with American Idol's Whitney. And with this Whitney is why are they so afraid to do more modern Whitney? There's some good stuff like Heartbreak Hotel, Million Dollar Bill. Like there's some good newer Whitney. It wasn't the last one was pretty new, wasn't it? The last song that they performed. Um, I wasn't as familiar with it, so I'm going to say, yeah, (laughs) Uh, my love is your love. It was called. Uh, I think that was the one that was pretty new. But, you, I mean, you're right. As far as Whitney's career, they certainly hit the staples of Whitney's career. Uh, and, except and, and for, I believe, The Children Are Our Future. It was called The Greatest Love of All. I, I was kind of expecting a big cheesy finale with The Greatest Love, love of All. I do like I do like that song, I guess. I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't sort of like these songs? Um, and I really like the inventiveness they took with How Will I Know. I just wish there was more of that, more inventiveness. It was really pretty. Yeah, that was, was a really such a pretty version. That was a really perfect moment in this episode, and a great way to kick off the episode. And and it's rare that we get that level of invention these days. The songs they've been doing in the last couple episodes have been pretty faithful to the originals, if not just straight reproductions, um, which is not always a good thing if you listen to Godier. Well, I mean, I mean, but- like they like they talk about <laughs> like. Those are their biggest selling songs are the ones that they like definitely like recreated like Don't Stop Believing, Teenage Dream. Those are those are their and I Feel Pretty Unpretty. Those are their top three best selling songs. Don't they realize that it's this inventiveness that we thrive on? I don't I don't understand why they're not pushing themselves at least somewhat. Yeah, I mean, I think that the inventiveness is really hard, though. And on a show that has to move as quickly as this does to keep up with its production schedule, I would think that the like coming up, taking the time to find these inventive, unique uh, takes on songs is probably a bit of a challenge, uh, you know, just just from a timing standpoint. That said, you're absolutely right. We are always we always have more of an affinity. But I mean, for like, don't they, pretty, don't they, they have they have these songs. They have to have the songs that they're going to do pretty much on lock at least a month before they film. So you would think the the, the higher you, they have the budget to hire multiple musical directors, I think is my is going to be my final argument with that. You could, <laughs> you could have more than one. One poor, lonely sap doesn't have to be working 90 hours a week 
and getting paid no overtime to make this work. <laughs> uh, so we had a lot of stuff going on in this one. Lots of episodes, which is also fun. Or, I'm sorry, lots of plot lines, which is also fun. Uh, let's see. Um, well, Skip, I want to dance somebody because I don't really... I was going to play a song. You should uh, play So Emotional. We'll play So Emotional. There you go. Um, we'll go with that one. This is uh, So Emotional. So so Emotional. Wow. Uh, <laughs> drink. The, drink. I'm a glue. Maybe you need to drink. <laughs> we don't have any more. I guess the cornerstone plotline of this one was probably Kurt and Blaine. We talk a little about about Kurt and Blaine uh, in this episode. Blaine uh, kind of distanced from Kurt. Kurt struck up a bit of a flirtation with a gentleman named Chandler, um, who I don't know if they listen to your podcast, Ed, but you and Chandler uh, would be pretty adorable together. And so I, I thought that was, I thought no. maybe one of the writers was listening to the Gleeful podcast. I wanted to create an, a character in honor of Ed. But we well, had a, I sincerely doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe one day. Well, as soon as he said, what was his line where he's like, I'm sorry, am I being really loud? When I get excited, I get really loud. I was like, that's so Ed. Yeah. <laughs> it was so it was cute. Uh, but so, uh, you know, Kurt struck up a bit of a flirtation with Chandler. And uh, we got a little insight into the Kurt and Blaine dynamic, a bit, a little bit of depth on this relationship. It, to me, it felt a little out of nowhere, though. Like, it seems like they're the perfect couple all the time. And then suddenly they've been having these long-term problems. Um, suddenly, so, yeah. since this episode, duh, long-term since <laughs> yes. this episode. Yeah. Exactly, long-term since this episode. Uh, but it was interesting to see a little depth on Kurt, Ed. Uh, Kurt and Blaine and their relationship. How'd you feel about that one in this episode? I understood every aspect of their issues. It was it was it was kind of kind of refreshing to see them not be perfect. Honestly, mm. <laughs> like it, like they actually had real problems. Like like Blaine Blaine's issue was real. Kurt's issue was real. And I was like they were real issues coming together, and then they solved them. Through Emma, did they solve them though? That I don't know. I was I mean, left they, thinking they're, at the end. They're solved for at least five minutes. So I mean, <laughs> it's, and and they're solved, and, and it was just it was so good. Like the both songs, both songs were so good. I was like, I was like, this is like I love when song when they they actually choose songs that like actually portray the emotion of the character at that moment because a song is supposed to be an insight into the moment of the creator's moment, like into like insight to that moment, and like the moment's connected. It was it was. It was fantabulous, for sure. I, 
I'll, I'll definitely give you that on saving all my love for you. But with it's not all right, but it's okay. What it's do you mean? Little I, I, force. What are you kidding me? That's like my that's like my most favorite play number maybe of season three. Oh my gosh, um, I liked uh, so about that number. I mean, I liked the the uh, suit, quite a few of them. and I liked you know kind of when he was behind the table doing. It's funny how. Jennifer and I were talking about it during the episode when uh, Santana and Brittany were doing I Want to Dance with Somebody and doing the big dance number in the Whitney Houston outfit. It's like Whitney could not dance to save her life. <laughs> she was a horrible dancer yeah. and she could barely stand. Like you'd Just kind of wait a little. you'd put her in one spot and put a microphone stand in front of her and be like, "Don't walk, like just <laughs> just stay there." And so uh, it, it was kind of hilarious that they had this big dance number. Uh, so whenever when they went to Blaine and he's sitting behind the desk, I'm like, "Oh, that's such a Whitney thing." They love to like put her in chairs, you know, yeah. like in the entire "I Will Always Love You" video where she's just mm-hmm. in a chair the whole time. Uh, she didn't move very well, but yeah, I thought that was a, a cool number but um i can't say i really liked that i guess it was well part of it is the way he kicked that off remember where he's like at the very beginning of that number when he's still talking to kurt and he's like no it's not right but it's okay yeah i mean honestly i i i agree with that and then i thought that it was a really good way for him to express himself and it was much more appropriate than some of the other times that they've tried to use a song to convey somebody's feelings. Um, only issue I had with it was that the the rest of the, you know, the, the Glee Club was, okay, I understand they needed a, a, a choir or a chorus for this particular performance, but it was like, without even knowing what was going on, it made it seem like the entire Glee Club was like turning against Kurt <laughs> and siding with Blaine without even knowing what happened. And it was just, it felt like, I'm like, it's one thing for, you know, Blaine to air his you know, dirty laundry in front of them and, and, and call Kurt out. But yeah, for them, that's not out of the ordinary. No, no, kids. not at all. Cause, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like if you don't put it on Facebook, it didn't happen. So like if you don't sing about it in front of all your friends and, you know, it's not real. But I just felt like they were kind of, um, you know, choosing sides. And, and that that bothered me a little bit. But I understand that it was just you know, for the performance, but I don't know. Although when they were standing behind him, you know, and he's got that black suit on and uh, they were just kind of glaring at Kurt. I don't know. That bothered <laughs> me. That aside, I thought it was a really, a really good performance. Uh, and we did get a little bit of crying Blaine in this one. A lot of talk on the internet about this being Darren Chris's best acting in the series thus far. Oh. I even, I think I saw someone tweet us saying like Blaine should cry all the time. <laughs> just kind of. I'm pretty sure he was crying in the shower that time when you, we just saw his back. But this was kind of the deepest. The oh, he, absolutely. You're right. <laughs> uh, he was out of shame. Um, it was, <laughs> this was Nothing some of the deepest of. acting we got. We've had, seen from Darren Chris on the show, though. Yeah. It, was, it was a little sensitive. Uh, Ed, mm-hmm. Darren Chris is an actor. How'd that read for you? Um, I didn't know he was being serious because he didn't point at anybody. <laughs> so. That is true. That is lesson oh, number I'm gonna, one. I'm going to forget their name, but somebody emailed us to say, <laughs> uh, if you watch when... Kurt is singing saving all my Lo- not saving it when Kurt is singing uh, I have nothing he keeps pointing at Blaine and then he and gets a double finger point <laughs> yeah and they were like oh he must be taking lessons he's speaking loudly and he's pointing uh, <laughs> it was good I, I I also I really liked the scene 
uh, with Kurt and Bert. It's been a while since we've seen Bert on the show. Yeah. Um, but it was good. very. It was. It was very. Uh, uh, it was a really, a really great scene, you know. All the Kurt Burt moments tend to be pretty great, but that was a, a really nice one. And to have Burt back, yeah, was also fun. And he got a little dig on the congressional process in there as well, <laughs> which is also fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there was some good stuff with that. Um, now, the question is, Jennifer, Joshua, was Kurt cheating? Oh. Um. I I do feel that emotional cheating is a form of cheating. I don't think it's the same as having a physical relationship with somebody. But, yeah, I do believe it was a form of cheating, especially when, you know, Rachel called him on it. She said, would you show this to Blaine? And he said no. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not the worst thing you could do. But it, I, I do believe that, you know, it is a betrayal to a relationship. I'm going to have to delete some text. Where's your phone again? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you stay right here. It, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's, it, uh, she had that great line, you know, well, would you show it to him? Well, no, of course not. Well, then it's really not that innocent, is it? Um, it I think it, in this, it, what's interesting is, is it's like a symptom of a bigger thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like the texting was a problem, but the real problem was, you know, it was like, taking a step back and going, oh, this is a symptom of a larger issue. And that's where it really becomes, you know, a thing. Um, But I haven't been 18 in a very long time. Uh, Ed, where did you come down on that uh, that argument (laughs) about, um, you know, cheating? And and, because Kurt just kept saying, it's not a big deal. I'm just talking to someone. Just flirty texts and, and, you know, boosting his own esteem. Ed? Uh, I'm I'm thinking... uh, (laughs) uh, I mean, uh, I'm not sure if I'm the best person for this. Um, Uh-oh. Are you guilty of sexy texting? No, I'm not. No, that is not. I, I, I <laughs> Sorry. Was, I was once a mistress. And that, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't. What is, what is cheating? I mean, <laughs> I mean well, life, uh, life is what you make it. Honestly, I think anything you need to hide from your partner is that that is true. That is true. I was of... I wasn't hiding anything from anybody. It just <laughs> he he was hiding something from someone else. So he was cheating. I was just I was just existing. So, so. he would have been you know doing that with anybody else. So it would, you know you weren't doing anything wrong. <laughs> right. okay. Wait, that came out way more snarky than <laughs> I meant it. <laughs> As I was saying it in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, you're in the clear. We're all a little punchy right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no judgment here, I promise. Pass, pass the Savon Blanc. <laughs> that was like it was one ago. of the challenges. That was one of the challenges about this plot line, though, to me. Um, I, it was great to see like there was some cool depth in the Clay relationship. I just wish. Um, okay, go ahead. I think this could. Where what happened? Where Where is Sebastian? Like, where did you just? <laughs> Vanish. I mean, I realize he's at Dalton Academy. I know that, but as we have seen several times, right. Dalton Academy and and uh, this high school, which I can't think of, William McKinley High, is like a two second walk. So I yeah. I don't see why. Well, they haven't been not... at the Lima Bean in a while, so that's Uh-oh. that's part that of could, it. But maybe they started avoiding coffee. The lime. Maybe. Oh, that's the Lima Bean. The Lima oh bean. my gosh, well, I never maybe... thought that's what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe Sebastian is out volunteering, you know, at children's charities because, you know, he was so transformed from that last episode when he had that emotional breakthrough, you know, that 
throwing rock salt in somebody's eye is wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That yeah, was an that, emotional break for yeah. her that required a lot of effort. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a we we. Um, Oh, crap. I don't remember where I was going to take the conversation next. <laughs> uh, it, it, oh, so, so my frustration with that entire plot line, though, is it did feel totally unresolved to me. Even at the end of it, like, they they went through this whole thing, you know, like, they, they, you could tell what the issue was. They had that big argument uh, in the bedroom where Kurt kept saying, it's just text. It's not that big a deal. And then Kurt had the conversation with his dad where his dad said, I'm going to miss you and, and I'm sorry that you're leaving. And Kurt's like, oh, thank you dad and then he has the exact same conversation with Blaine um, uh, at their couples counseling which was kind of great where he's like are you licensed to do this and she said oh well not really no or at all no, uh, no. yeah no not really at all um, but uh, what was her other great line she's like but I think I really helped uh, uh, Sam Sam and uh, they broke up pretty sure they broke up <laughs> oh really they seem so good together yeah. um, but I really wanted oh, some I love, kind I love of a the resolution. pamphlet that was like "Sorry" in a song. She like yes! she's no, hate. she swept it up. That was God. there were some great one-liners in this one. Um, but yeah, that was my frustration with that plot line is even when when everything finally ended and they kind of made up, like I guess yeah. a little. But I really, I really wanted the show, or at least the characters in the show, to take a stand on this issue. Like I, oh, you know, there cheap. seemed to be a debate between Kurt and Blaine, like. You know, was Kurt cheating? Yes, you are. No, you're not. You know, you're neglecting me. No, I'm not. And then they just kind of at the end were like, hey, we're closer now. High five. What? And and they kind of went on with their lives, which is fine. But I needed at least one moment of like Kurt to be like, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Or for Blaine to be like, I understand how we got here and I don't want that to happen anymore. Like just a moment of acknowledgement that yeah. I just spent 40 minutes watching this plot line. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that I there mean, was some kind of growth out of it. Right. Because even at the end when um, Blaine did come up and, and make that very awkward, obviously insincere compliment to Kurt and then texted him at the same time, it felt like, okay, okay, so... Blaine has now recognized why he was doing what he did, so now he's making an effort to, you know, to to be more attentive to Kurt. But yet it still felt like Kurt didn't quite get the message that, you know, it's not all about him. And, and though he's so excited to get out of Lima and to go to New York and to, you know, start, you know, continuing mm-hmm. on to his career that you know there are people who are going to be left behind but he's just so self-minded right now that he although he's hearing the words like I don't feel like he's getting the emotional impact of what's happening to the other people and you know even with his dad you know yeah it was very sweet and very tender but yeah there was never that you know you know well this is what I'm going to do to make sure that that doesn't happen yeah and even when Kurt was talking to Blaine he's like don't worry you know, we're going to we're going to Skype every day and you're going to come to New York to see me. Yeah, every weekend. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I still. So, yeah, like I, I felt and I understand, like we've all been there. We've all been at that. You know, it, at some point in our life, there's been something that you've been so excited about and so focused on that maybe the other people in your life, you know, aren't going to experience or aren't going to go with you. And, you know, you, your excitement in your excitement, you you tend to forget or or block out everything else, and you know maybe it's a coping mechanism mechanism <laughs> too. Maybe 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 this is way Kurt you know is shielding himself from hurt. You know maybe yeah. maybe that'll come out later. 
Yeah, I could totally see that. Um, but th- I mean, this is what I was like referring to in the beginning when I said I felt like a lot of it was kind of psych 101. Like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. But in there the, wasn't a lot of depth. To no, the no, I, n- yeah, I never don't. took psychology 101. Oh, it's fascinating. I I've, was... ta- I've taken a lot of classes, lots of different things, <laughs> but I've never taken any psychology or sociology. I, you know, what? I loved it. I have to, I have to admit, it was one of the first classes I had when I went to college, and. and- Oh, it's funny because I never took, I didn't take a speech class in high school, even though I was supposed to. I'm sorry. And then I ended up taking one in college. Oh, I'll figure myself out one day. <laughs> one day. See, no rush. Go to Disney. Go to Disney, the, the, yes. The, the big the big mouse man can help you. <laughs> Whatever he is. <laughs> Jennifer and I have this joke. We've been telling this joke for years. Wherever somebody tells, you know, like, Canadian listeners, I love Canada. Ch- calm down. Our Lady Peace is a great band. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, occasionally stories will come out of Canada that are just kind of like you don't really get stories out of Canada that are like, what? You know, like you get stories out of of the U.S. where you're just like, really? Oh, come on. But the stories you get out of Canada are just kind of like, oh, Canada. Isn't Canada the one where (laughs) that that person person went crazy in a Greyhound bus and like chopped them up into tiny pieces? I swear that happened in Canada. I don't know that story, Uh... but now I need to look it up. Uh, I need to write sounds, that screenplay. That sounds uh, oddly familiar. Actually, Ed, I'm obsessed with true crime stories, so that sounds really kind of familiar. Um, if any but so Canadian anyway, listeners want to pipe in here. Jennifer oh, and so. I were talking, and oh. uh, she said, oh, we have to ha- have uh, Ed take a picture in front of that sign that says, oh, Canada. And have oh, it, in Epcot, yeah. And, and I was like, but Ed's not going to Canada. He's going to Florida. And she <laughs> says, no, in Epcot. No, it was very confusing. These are, this is what's cute when you're married. All yeah, right, people? I know, right? So I'm telling this story. I'm realizing it's nice. I, I, I was, okay, when I, when, when I was in Epcot just last, I was like, I was so mad that I didn't buy this plaid hat. I'm going, I'm going back there. That's the first Aww. purchase I'm buying with my employee discount. <gasps> okay. Plaid hat. Wear the plaid hat and stand under the sign. Because their, their exhibit there is called O Canada. And I know mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like... Oh Canada! Da, yeah, but so I, I always know hear it is Oh Canada! Oh Canada! Oh, Canada. You're hey. adorable. I just want to rustle your hair. Hey. Um, yes. All right, uh, let's listen to a song, shall we? <laughs> let's. let's put the show back on the rails, <laughs> shall we? Uh, here is "I Have Nothing" uh, as performed by Chris Colfer here on the Gleeful Podcast. Right into the mirror. 
I still remember the first time I ever heard this song. Was it uh, uh, the crazy Latin girl on American Idol season eight? No, no, Tatiana Del Toro. Tatiana Del Toro. I love Tatiana. Oh, wow. Give, it might have been season me, seven. No, oh, uh, that that was season eight. No, you're you are correct Woo-hoo. actually. Um, <laughs> no, the first time I heard the song was an unfortunate, unfortunate. Uh, was that? It must. It must. It was season two, wasn't it? Was it? No. I... Oh, no, I'm freaking out. No, no it's, it was definitely season three. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the season three of American <laughs> Idol. Layla Bell. I have nothing. Group three. And I was. I remember being so blown away by the song. Years later, people were like, you know, Layla Bell's version wasn't very good. I'm like, I don't. I still listen to it. I think that's the way it should be. Every time. Every. <laughs> even if she messed up, that was that was it. Even though she only got 12th place, she. She, she got a contract now. It only took her like eight years after her show, but she has a contract now with a major label. So I think I felt like this song was all wrong for Kurt. Um, his voice is too thin for it. Uh, the register was really high. It was a classic example of just because you can hit the notes doesn't mean you should be doing the song. Lusky stank. <clears throat> just refer to it as the lusky stank. The lusky stank? <laughs> Yeah, Jacob Lusk. Yes. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Wow. And the thing is, is like as great as Whitney Houston's voice was, like one thing that I have to give her is her, she had a stunningly amazing voice, but her great skill was that when Whitney Houston sang this song, you had nothing either. You know, it was like by the end of this song, every single one of us was going to going to a church in Compton like it was so it just like saved your soul when she hit these big notes and she communicated such depth and when Kurt does this particular song I feel like he doesn't have any of that and so even though he's hitting all the notes I don't have you know I I don't feel like anybody's taking me to church you know Um, so yeah I don't know that this one didn't quite work for me Uh, but I know a lot of people on the internet loved it I saw lots of tweets about that Uh, let's play some voicemails actually Jennifer uh, I have nothing Chris Colfer I liked it you did good I did but I I mean and you know watching it in the show watching the performance watching Blaine's reaction to him was was very moving but now that I'm just listening to the song and hearing the two of you talk about it I I now realize I agree with what you both said. Could you I think the only another reason way for this me? song decision was acceptable and not not like to be hated on is because it was a Whitney tribute. If it was yes. anything else, yeah. It was oh, like yeah. any I other, totally agree. Any other week. But any other ha- week if Mercedes didn't do this song, we would say it was a travesty. But because right. it was Whitney week and Kurt had to do something, this is the right song for him to do. Uh, Jennifer, you were going to say something? I was going to say on this night, Thursday, April 26, 2012, Josh, you were right. <laughs> Boom! Fists up in the sign of victory. What up? Uh, let's play some voicemails. Voicemails. <laughs> Here's a voicemail. Hey, Josh, Jen, and Ed. This is Hoffmar24. I'm a first-time caller. I'm in the middle of watching Glee, and I realized Quinn is getting a lot of songs this season after she got hit by a car. Quick, someone put Tina in the middle of the road. <laughs> Have a great one, guys. Bye. Oh Thank you God. very much. You know what? I heard you, I heard you play that earlier, and I didn't get it until now. 
that's uh, so, awesome. So we had Quinn. We, 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 we had uh, we had a, a bit of a relationship uh, kind of blossom in this one. We had Quinn. We had Joe, and we had Joe's erection. Uh, they all made an appearance in this particular episode. <laughs> wow. Uh, what version did you watch? I kind of think it's hilarious that a grown, professional, well-paid television writer wrote Quinn feels Joe's erection on well, a piece of paper and then had it printed many, many times. <laughs> but isn't that a positive thing for her, you know, paralysis? If she's yeah, oh, for the, the feeling, the feeling. Feel yeah. Oh my gosh. That <laughs> or maybe she saw it. I couldn't tell. She also put her hand in the back of her leg at the same time. So maybe she felt it with her hand. But my first wow. thought was like, she's healed. That would be hilarious. The power of the penis. She just starts <laughs> weeping. She's like, I can feel your penis. Um, I, I, I mean, seriously, there's like a thousand ways to play that scene. And I could not believe that that's the one they went with. Like, that hurt my brain that, like, a bunch of grown adults were like, okay, well, we could have them almost kiss. Well, we did that. Uh, We could have them share a longing look, maybe accidentally hold hands. Uh, We could have a doctor say, like, oh, you guys are a couple. And they're like, ah, no, we're not. Or we could have his boner pushed against her leg. (laughs) You know what? Let's go boner. Like that once. What'd you say? The, the the boner against leg. I feel like I saw I, I feel like I saw a porn that started like that one time. <laughs> Every porno starts that way. Um, wow. I could that just not, kind of blew me away. <laughs> like was there, the, there a trending the, topic on Twitter a while porn. ago? Yeah, it like it was like if porn was real life, uh, pizza delivery man would be the best job ever or something. <laughs> yeah, I delivered was, pizzas in college. It was never like that. <laughs> So Just putting that on the record, I, I change the shit out of that topic. Um, <laughs> so it was, um, uh, was that aside, Quinn and Joe is not as annoying a couple as it was. I'm kind of growing into Quinn and Joe a little bit. Drink. Um, and it, it's a, it still doesn't feel real to me as a conversation or as a relationship, partially because I'm so like. It's like Quinn is a real person to me. Like I've spent three years watching Quinn for multiple hours a week and then discussing Quinn for multiple hours a week. And Joe is this kind of like new facsimile who walks through and says words, but isn't quite a character yet. He just talks about God all the time. Um, And so I don't really feel like Joe's a character yet. And it's kind of hard to see them as a relationship because there's so little of him uh, and because he is so thin um, on the show. Well, I mean, they're they're. I mean, Quinn was supposedly Christian. So, oh, and that's all she talks about now, too. Well, not in this episode, but last week was all she talked about. So, I mean, like, uh, it's not it's not it's more believable than her and Artie. So quarty, quarty, if you will. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's I think it's sweet. And I agree that it's hard for me to get behind them as a couple because, in, in you know, I mean, yes, I, I agree with what you said. But the other thing is we just we know how Quinn's storylines go. They're That's dismissed. True yes. They're, they're <laughs> so they're unceremoniously dismissed. Because the writers hate on Quinn, but, they're, but they can't not use her because right. people so, like her. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I, yeah. So am I going to get overly excited about it or optimistic about it. No, Joe did. but uh, but <laughs> there's so many things I need. I want to say right now. But I <laughs> um, the, the thing is, is I, I agree. 
I, well, I don't know. I don't think I agree that the writers hate on Quinn. I think that Quinn is the type of character that you can kind of put through the ringer. It's like... Um, because she's a pretty upper middle class blonde girl? Exactly. exactly. And, and people Let's still like her? Like, like Look what, at... Like I'm, Look at every movie where Meryl Streep is the main character. She's a posh, proper lady who's going to have to wallow around in the mud for a little while until she finds herself and we forgive her. Like, we feel something about Meryl Streep looking at her. We feel good torturing the crap out of her and then watching her rise above and be great. Oh, so it's our fault that we're, we're petty and jealous and insecure about no, ourselves. No, well, there's a story. <laughs> yes, well, you, not everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I think that there's a certain aspect of, of like, you know, the essence that is Diana Agron and certainly the character that she plays as Quinn. It's really, as a, as a viewer, we like to see Quinn get the crap kicked out of her and come back. Like, yeah. we don't want to see that happen to every character on this show. Uh, the, and, and we certainly don't want to, like, we would never tolerate... Brittany going through the crap that Quinn has gone through on this show. We would not tolerate that for a second. We'd be like, that's so mean and unreasonable. Like, we would never tolerate Blaine. Like, getting in a car accident and almost dying. Like, being, you know, because he's not... There's a certain... Like, because Quinn is privileged, because Quinn is pretty, and because Quinn is deep down kind of a selfish egomaniac... We like to see her get her teeth kicked in and then see her rise above and grow. So basically, we want to see her earn it because exactly. so, so, we, we know so she's exactly. we There's something that America okay. loves more than a comeback story. Is that what you're trying to say? Exactly. Exactly. But we, we don't feel bad watching people that are as privileged as Quinn are get the crap kicked out of it. I mean, in fact, we kind of dig it. And then we get to see them bounce back and become people that like, oh, see, now I relate to her because she's gone through some shit. Right. But what if she didn't lose the weight, get the nose job and change her name? Well, like, then, then it would be unacceptable. Juicy. Well, but the thing is, she gets to keep going. Oh, like, we never seem to get tired. That's what's yeah. fascinating about Quinn is that we never seem to get tired of seeing the crap kicked out of her. Yeah. It happens every... She has gone through more crap on this show than anybody else, and we never yeah. get tired of it. Well, she does continually do things or, or not continually, but on a somewhat reoccurring basis, she does do things that are extremely... Um, selfish and uh, destructive to other people like you know lying to Finn about the pregnancy and trying to um you know get Shelby arrested for child abuse and, <laughs> I mean that, I mean well, that, that, was, like that, that was so earlier this season oh, you I cannot know. hold her accountable for those kind of things nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that, that was like so many two and a half ago. months ago <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was like several mini quintervention sodes ago so. Oh, if only <laughs> so we had See, that we had a really strange conversation with Quinn and, or I'm sorry, with Joe and Sam. Oh, where, the where they should have been like, remember that one kid at the Chicago auditions? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that should have been their conversation. Yeah, that's but... what they should have talked about. Wasn't he adorable? Oh, that's funny. He was adorable. Um, that, it was just kind of really like, it was just, just a strange conversation. I I feel like Joe needs to talk about something that's not God related. I know that that's his his you know that's kind of what makes him yeah. unique on this. Show. I don't I don't I don't blame it's Joe. Like four I blame episodes. I blame Ryan Murphy. They're like must insert Christian character here. Yeah. Christian character goes with Quinn. Okay, so that's that's it. That's like the whole plot line. Okay, but in his defense, he was homeschooled. He doesn't have a lot of experience with 
you know, social interactions. And I, I don't think there were many class, many other kids in his class. <laughs> but, I, well, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be understanding here that it's, it's, it's his only basis of knowledge. So I, the, the thing that struck me as odd is that of all the people that he would go to for help from the, the Glee Club, he just happened to walk into the locker room and it happened to be Sam who just happened to date her last. I, I thought that was funny. At one point, Sam's like, uh, like, oh, I used to date her. And I'm like, everyone used to date her. Yeah, that's Has true. Has anyone not dated Quinn on this show? Santana and Brittany? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I'm sure I can Google it. Like, I'm sure Google will give me Fan lots fiction of doesn't times, count. Uh, that they dated. Uh, yeah, it was it was all pretty hilarious. That uh-huh. I wanted to get behind that plot line, and I do think there's 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 elements of Quinn and Joe that I like, but it's just it's tough to get emotionally invested in a character yeah. that we've seen go up and down so many times, like Quinn, and a character that we know nothing about, like Joe. I honestly feel there's this part of me that feels like when you have a really close friend that's been in your group forever, and then she's like, hey, everybody, this is my boyfriend you've never met before. We just got together. And you immediately hate that person on principle just because it's like, you're not part of the group. Like, you don't belong. <laughs> wow. I've known him since grade school. You're not one of us. Like, I'm kind of, kind of possessive of this. Good to know. Uh, let's listen to some voicemails. <laughs> uh, voicemails. Here's Laurel in Ohio. Hello, Gleeful Podcasters. This is Laurel in Ohio. I just spent an hour outside of our little Lima. Um, just calling to talk about last night's Whitney tribute. thought there were some fun moments. Really, my favorite moments were the awkward moments um, <laughs> with everyone watching and looking at each other nervously while Kurt singing to Blaine and Blaine singing to Kurt and how they all kind of reluctantly join in, even though they've done that a million times when they work out their problems through song. <laughs> um, my favorite awkward moment by far was the half hug Santana sort of gave at the end of Rachel and Santana's so emotional duet she wasn't really into it i did think the song was a little frantic the tempo was a little too fast i felt like they did well trying to get all those words out but i don't know why they felt the need to speed it up so much it did also make me sad with rachel and santana's little resolution that we have so few days and they could have been doing so many amazing duets that was kind of a bummer um i love anytime kurt's dad is on bert hummel is fantastic and a good voice of reason and always love seeing him. I wasn't a huge fan of the Quinn-Joe hookup, though I appreciated that Quinn told Joe at the end that there are some things bigger to believe in than just acting out physically. You know, Sam's great line of you're going to have to be real clear with him on what Joe was talking about, but <laughs> I liked that there was a bigger message there that you don't just have to go through every physical thing that comes into your brain that you can worry about your faith and try and figure that out. So overall, a fun episode. I didn't like it as much as I liked Saturday Night Gleaver, but that may just be because I like disco better than Whitney. Sue me. You guys are doing great. Keep up the good work. Bye. And one more, listener Melanie. Hey, Josh, Janet. It's Melanie from Providence. Uh, just want to make a couple comments about last night's episode. Uh, first of all, following Typo on Twitter was hysterical. <laughs> and uh, maybe episode certainly more enjoyable. 
uh, Darren Chris is too pretty for his own damn good. And uh, I'm interested to see what the whole Sam and Quinn thing end up. Um, not Sam. What the hell is his name? Sam. Sam and Quinn. Um, yeah. Already got like, plenty of times when he was in a wheelchair. So I'm not really sure what Quinn's issue is. But I'm uh, looking forward to the podcast tonight. Thanks so much. Bye. It is funny. In conversation, I constantly interchange the actors and the actors' names and the characters', the characters names. Name, yeah. And we constantly do that. One thing in this episode <clears throat> that really jumped out at yeah. me was the number of callbacks from the crowd. Like, there were so many moments where uh, somebody would be singing and they would, like, scan the crowd for, like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, it was the, constant in this one. <laughs> yeah, the, oh, no, you didn't look that Santana shot Kurt when... Uh, when Blaine was singing his song. Oh, yeah, exactly. They were a lot. Of, and then, you know, the when uh, Quinn and, and conversely, when Quinn and Joe were singing, um, all of the, like, oh, look at that, looks <laughs> that people were giving each other. So, yeah, I mean, they seem to be using that a lot. I mean, it's, it is it is very efficient. They don't need to actually use dialogue for it. <laughs> you can still convey what people are thinking and feeling. You can. I uh, think you'd appreciate that as, from a writer's standpoint. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of uh, getting a lot of plot out without much talking. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Uh, let's go ahead and take a listen to Saving All My Love before we move on. Uh, this is Samuel Larson and Diana Agron here on the, I, I say here on the Gleeful Podcast like they're in the room, but I'm just going to keep doing it because oh, that's yeah, how you post right a here. song on the radio for, for kids it. that listen to the radio. I know it's 2012. No one's listening. Uh, saving all my love for you, Samuel Larson and Diane Agron here on the Gleeful Podcast. Is all that we share. You've got your family, and they need you there. Though I try to resist being last on your list, but no other man. this song is about cheating right like we're all cool on that because it's a pretty ass song it's a gorgeous song but we, we we know it's about banging another lady's man okay <laughs> moving on well you know how i feel on this subject i don't know what you're getting all indignant about i just yes no, it's, I just... It, it's it's a, it is a beautiful song that People will forgive because it is such a beautiful song and so heart-wrenching that you're like, oh, wait, I'm rooting for the woman who's trying to break up a marriage. Hmm. Well, I mean, like like me and Mrs. Jones, greatest song about cheating ever I was going to cite that one as okay. well. Greatest song about cheating ever. Me and Mrs. Jones. But the thing is, is the tune to me and Mrs. Jones is dirty. 
Like the way he says, like me, it's so it's just dirty. Like you know that that something bad's going on on this song. There's Uh, there's plenty of songs, but on this song, it's like saving all my love for the guy as a wife. Like it's so sweet. Okay, so (laughs) you're saying people shouldn't use this as a wedding song? I'm saying you should not use this (laughs) as your wedding song, though I'm sure. Good to know. Thousands of couples have. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sure that has happened many, many times. No. Should we talk about Will and Emma's wedding? Do we care? I think you can sum it up in a sentence. The only sen- the only thing I need to say about Will and Emma's wedding is, do you think they're going to try to find a way to shoehorn it into the season finale, Ed? Um, sure. Well, the season finale is two hours long. So I can totally see how that... Uh, we, so it could totally happen. I could, could totally see that happening. Jennifer. They, I know how they're going to do it. Okay. They're going to accidentally have a double wedding ceremony with Finn and Rachel. <laughs> at Ooh. Nationals. Double wedding ceremony. Finn and Rachel. And it's accidental. Finchel, Clayne, Wemma, and Santitney. Everybody's getting Everybody's married. Everybody's getting married. Massive <laughs> wedding. During the last song... That they sing in nationals. What's going to happen is one of the judges. In Chicago. One of the judges, they're not going to realize this, is actually a, a registered internet minister and is going to accidentally marry them. Awesome. How's I that? I love it. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Neat, efficient, and if season four gets canceled, we all go home happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't disappointed by the woman's storyline. I just don't really have anything to say about it. It's kind of like, yeah, uh-huh. there's nothing to say about it. And yeah. I mean, it's like again, it was so transparent why Will was rushing this forward, and it's sweet. I mean, I, it, you know, it, it, it kind of brings me back to the very first season. You know, the first couple of episodes of the first season when you saw him genuinely transformed and reinvigorated by these kids and the whole, you know, Glee team, and that was wonderful. You know, and to see him kind of come out a little bit out from under Terry's thumb, it was, it was, you know, it was really great to see. So, yes, I believe that, you know, he's genuinely concerned that they're not going to be there to share in, like, this great moment for him. So, yeah, to me, though, I thought it was, you know, pretty transparent. And I do love that she didn't even hesitate to say, you know I have OCD. You want me to get married in a campground? And that was it. I, I throw like, away brooms after using them once. Yeah. There was no like, oh, 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 okay, well, maybe we'll try. You know, there was none of that. Like, she's just like, dude, Boom. OCD. <laughs> uh, so, let's see. A couple more voicemails before we go. Hey, guys, it's Tara and Caitlin. We actually truly like this episode. Finally, we had a tribute episode that actually moved the plot forward. Herbert was perfect like usual. Rachel and Santana were sweet. So was Tuck. Oh, and she was too once you actually realized his motives. And that acapella in the beginning, breathtaking. And Emma just gets cuter and cuter. I love how this episode has the usual, we just happen to know the lyrics and sing back up here during Blaine's solo. But this time they just look so awkward and uncomfortable. The facial expressions were hilarious. There were some flaws that really showed, though. First, why was Joe actually doing the therapy? He's not trained at all. He could actually injure her more. And the trainer wasn't even supervising. She was across the room working on someone else. It was just unrealistic, and it bothered me. It bothered me with Kurt. Everyone who ever goes up against him is wrong and ends up being the unreasonable one who should apologize. The writer seems to realize that he isn't saying Kurt all the time. He makes a lot of mistakes. Relationships aren't all about being told that you're special, and if you can't tell him, then it is cheating. Jennifer. 
You're special. But he really learned nothing. Blaine apologized and Kurt didn't. The whole claim plot bothered me. Hey, I'm Chandler. Could I be anything more than a catalyst for a Blaine plot? <laughs> nope, just a creepy catalyst. They could have just talked. Kurt should have just noticed something was up. It was pretty obvious. The drama was really unnecessary. Kurt and Blaine are better than this. We can't wait to hear your thoughts, though. Bye. Hey, did you think that Optional Glee Club was Shu's secret test that the kids loved him enough to still show up? Yeah, his ego needed a boost after even the freshmen abandoned him for senior ditch day. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I, we're going to have to hang up our mics. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one more. Hey, Josh, Jen, and Ed. This is Tiffany from Memphis. My thoughts from last night's episode can be summed up in my nine-word review. Darren Chris should only be allowed to wear black. Now, the song was meh. It doesn't help that it's my least favorite Whitney song, and he didn't really sound great singing it because it's not in his range, but he looks good. Plus, this episode's had some of his best acting all season. Other than that, I thought the episode was pretty good. I liked most of the music, especially the first and last song. And it was really nice for Mr. Shu to get an independent storyline. It would have been nice to see Sue or Coach Beast, for that matter. Um, but, you know, overall, I'm pretty satisfied. If they stay at this level or better for the rest of the season, I think we're going to end on a high note. Um, oh, and congrats to Ed for his new position in Orlando. Uh, can't wait for the podcast. Bye. Uh, so, yes, we have... Um... <clears throat> That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it for the episode. Jennifer, did we forget anything? Well, I mean, I think um, there were a couple of um, uh, uncomfortably sweet and genuine moments uh, with both Puck and Santana that I think we need to acknowledge. Puck and Santana. Not together, but oh, Puck I with the dudes, you, you know, being, you know, hey, I'm going to miss you guys. And like even even Puck recognizes that there's going to be some like se- separation anxiety. Hmm. Like, like it, it's it's such a mystery to everybody else why they're, you know, lashing out at each other, withdrawing, or all these different things. But yet, you know, Puck knows. It's true. <laughs> and he steals shot glasses, apparently. <laughs> and then, and then you know, the whole scene with Rachel and Santana. And it's like, yeah, it was cool that they, you know, acknowledged the, the lack of time or what little time they have left together in the school. And... Santana was, you know, very genuine there. Like, I mean, yeah, she said, okay, now say something annoying, you know. But there was nothing mean-spirited, and it was just, it was nice to see her with her guard completely down and completely open to, you know, a friendship. Or the possibility of a friendship if only for 42 more days. So, (laughs) I thought that was really sweet. It was sweet. And um, it will be sweeter next year when they find a way for everyone goes to New York. Oh, yeah, there was something... (laughs) Oh, I think it was you asked me if um, Santana was graduating. I, said, I didn't know. And I said, well, she's a senior. I said, we don't know if she's going to graduate. We don't know if any of them are. We never know anything about their academic statuses. So <laughs> we just assume everybody who is a senior will graduate. Oh, somebody posted on Facebook that um, if this is their senior year, then and, and if some of the people are only juniors, then why were they there the first year? And so... I mean, high school, at least on the East Coast, is 9 through 12. So if the show's been on for three years, then these seniors started their sophomore year on the Glee Club. So, yes. so the other people would have been freshmen. So Yeah, supposedly, supposedly Tina's a freshman. Supposedly Tina. Or was a freshman. Right. But, yeah. but she said she was a sophomore. Well, she, was a, she said she was a sophomore this year? 
No, she she said she was a sophomore in that in the pilot. When she st- oh, Ed, you, you yeah, you're with me on this, right? No, she yeah. never. I, I believe she never actually said it. I think it was just implied because everyone yeah. else was a sophomore. Oh, okay. okay, so 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 but so so saying that she's a freshman technically doesn't break continuity, right? Okay, okay so and, and that's fine. I'm just trying to, um, yeah. I know we 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 pretty much gave up on continuity years ago, but <laughs> yes, we did. but I was just trying to you know defend what was happening. Yeah. So, uh, but it, but Brit- okay on the graduation album, Britney since she's a main cast member and you know that she's a senior, she should be on that. She should be on the cat on the cast album, but she's on the graduation thing, but she's not there. So maybe she didn't pass. <laughs> we shall find out. Oh, we've got what they, four more. I, you know what I mean? Like because they never talk about Tina. They're going to need somebody more than just Tina to stay behind for next year. No, the next next year is going to be the year of the Tina. It's like the year of the dragon, but year <laughs> of the Tina. Everybody watch out. That would be awesome. I'd love to see that. Uh, well, that's pretty much it for us. Ed, would you like to thank any iTunes reviewers? Yes, I would. I'd like to thank Shanny D, Katie J all the way. Hybrid Trilogy, thank you much for the reviews. And, oh, hold on. Hold on one second, because someone tweeted at me while I was recording. I was like, oh, okay. I think his name was William House. Thank you for tweeting at me. And thank you for reviewing us. Yes, thank you definitely for reviewing us on iTunes. You can find us online at gleefulpodcast.com. On Twitter at gleefulpodcast. I'm at Josh Brunel. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. Go to Jennifer's Etsy page where she is putting up cake toppers and amazing, some of her amazing sculptures. You can see all that at jennybcreative.com. And uh, Jenny with an I. Uh, so you should definitely see that. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> and uh, my brother is a new band. Thanks. I really want to tell everybody about my brother's new band. It's but really good. They put out a record and it's not on the internet. Can you believe this, Ed? They put out a record, but they didn't put it online. They made CDs. They made they pressed CDs. And he's like, oh, well, at, oh, at least you're not telling me they're doing vinyl. I'm like, okay. <laughs> they press CDs. Actually, I hear, like, I've been hearing that cassette tapes are kind of in right now. Ca- cassette tapes are really in. That would have been funny. But the fact is, is... I can't tell anybody about my brother's band uh, without telling you, with, without being able to give you a place to download the music or at least a website of which he has neither <laughs> yet. What about the, what a about CD. a YouTube page of him performing mm. live at some venue? There are some, there are some YouTube videos, but they're not very good. Uh, but if you want to look them up, they're called Dion Derricks and the Melody Joy Bakers. Um, anyway. That's a very interesting name. It doesn't right? sound. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm concerned about that name. Well, Dion but. is his first name. Yeah. Well, D- Dion. D period on. I mean, I guess. Derox. I mean, Grace Potter and the Nocturnals doing well, and so are Florence and the Machine. So I get. I mean, I guess the and thing is kind of in right and now. And fits in the tantrums. It's very in, and, and it's very oh, okay, in yeah. to have like really complicated, like almost mismatched names. Marina and you should. And, and you should do. You shouldn't do and. It should be like. You have to do something. You do like DeAndre, comma, whatever. Tantrum. <laughs> uh, it's uh, all in the tradition of Hootie and the Blowfish, which, as we know, is the greatest and band of all time. Wow. So, <laughs> anyway, Hootie and Blowfish—they came through. They came through Purdue a couple of years ago. Really? Wow. Um, cool. Well, uh, that's about it for us uh, yeah. for the Gleeful Podcast with Josh and Ned. I'm Josh. I'm Jen. I'm Ed. Peace out. Good night, everyone. Good night. I would encourage you to vote for Elise, but... Aww. Wow.